Good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Awesome. Um, I love this season. I, I love the, the fact that we're diving into, after Halloween, we get to come into Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving is my, aside from, I mean, Christmas is great, and I love Christmas, but Thanksgiving, I love Thanksgiving. Um, I eat, obviously, a lot at Thanksgiving. But um, I, I love the whole season behind it. We, we take this time to remember what we're thankful for. And so we're going to spend um, the, next, the next number of weeks leading into Thanksgiving talking all about gratitude and how gratitude actually is more than just being thankful. But there's, there's a core root of fundamentals that we're going to break apart when we talk about gratitude and being thankful. And before we dive in, I do want to say that um, this Thanksgiving, we're going to do something that we've never done here before. And I had to make sure of that because I know I haven't been here for Thanksgiving yet. But you guys have never had a service on Thanksgiving. And so we're actually this year for the first time, we're going to have a service on Thanksgiving morning. And we're going to call it Thanksgathering. So November 25th, Thanksgiving at 9 o'clock in the morning, what we're going to have is we're going to have a Thanksgiving service, and it's going to be a very, very different kind of service that I'm super excited for. Um, the church that I was a part of before did this every year, and it very quickly became my most favorite service in the world. Um, even though, you know, not, I mean, Thanksgiving is my favorite day, I said, but this service in particular, on top of that, became my favorite, because what it's going to be is we're going to come, we're going to have some songs to kick off the morning, but then what we're going to do is the service is going to be highlighted by you guys, and there are going to be some people that are writing letters to God about what they're thankful for, and that's going to be the service. They're going to come up, and they're going to read these letters to us, and we get to share and celebrate and cheer with them as they share with us what they're thankful for, um, not just this year, but just whatever they want to write to God about what they're thankful for. So during the service, I mean, I've had people read letters where we are laughing hysterically as they write and uh, the, the things that the things they've gone through, and it's, it's great. And then there's letters that have me bawling like a baby because they're so just different in, in attitude but they all have this, they share the common theme of gratitude and thankfulness to God. So I'm super excited to, to launch that this Thanksgiving. So that'll be here Thanksgiving morning, 9 a.m. It's gonna be a short service. We're shooting for like 45 minutes because I know people have turkeys that they gotta get those things cooking. But, um, and it's also a wear your flannel Thursday. Some people took that um, back in California as wear your pajamas. That's all right, you can do it. But wear your flannels, wear your pajamas, and we're going to have a fun time celebrating Thanksgiving together. Like I said, I couldn't be more excited to, to do that with you guys here, and I'm really, really happy that we get to celebrate and be thankful together. Now, speaking of uh, Thanksgiving, and um, I know that we, I see lots of superhero shirts here today. I love, as you guys know, I love superheroes, and I love that, um, that you guys uh, today has been advertised as a wear your superhero stuff, and so I think like seeing the Spider-Man stuff and the Incredibles thing, I love superheroes. Um, as a matter of fact, um, someone asked me, like, Pastor Dustin, did you not even read the, your own emails about what's going on? And all I have to say is, do you guys hear something right now? Yes. There we are. <laughs> I could not pass this up. <laughs> a chance to be in front of you guys wearing my all-time favorite superhero of ever. This is, yeah, this is the time. I think I shared this with you before, but I've loved Superman forever. As you can tell, um, I have a Superman cup that some friends of mine got me here that I, I love this thing. I have Superman. I have an emblem in my wallet over my ID. So when people ask to see my ID, that's actually the first thing that gets shown is a Superman emblem. I've got, uh, I've got movies, I've got pictures my, in my wall at home in my office. There's a big Superman picture. Just, I, I love Superman. But that was solidified for me when my daughter Aurora one day, two years old, 
I'm watching a Justice League cartoon. I think I may have shared this with you guys, but I'm watching a Justice League cartoon. Yes, I still watch cartoons, not afraid to say it. I love them. And Superman punches the bad guy through the wall right as Aurora walks in and looks, and she sees Superman. This guy, and she goes, oh, look, my daddy. I was like, yes, yes. And then even this morning, we are talking about superheroes, and Avery even said, Superman's my dad. So I'm winning in life, I feel. <laughs> my kids call me Superman. But um, I, I love that we get to be here today in our superhero gear, talking about ultimately who is our number one superhero in Jesus. And that's... Uh, He's incredible, and we get to talk about gratitude and thankfulness for him today. So if you would, turn your Bibles really, really far, Genesis chapter 8. So obviously Genesis, first chapter in the Bible. We're going to spend some time in Genesis talking about gratitude together today. And uh, let's pray as we get started. Uh, God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you that we get to talk about gratitude and thankfulness and how thankful we are for you. And I, I, God, I ask that as we talk about this, you allow us to identify uh, ways you've worked in our lives where we can look back and say, God, I'm thankful for this moment. God, I'm thankful for that moment. God, I ask that we have a fundamental attitude of gratitude in our lives when it comes to you and the way you work in and through us. God, we thank you. We love you. And everybody said, amen. Now, last year, actually, Our nation was doubly shocked by by the loss of of two people that were considered superheroes in their their genre of expertise. One of them kind of real life, right? Chadwick Boseman. He played Black Panther. He tragically died last year of cancer. And I remember when I read the article, it was, uh, I didn't even know he had it. It was one of those like, oh my gosh, Black Panther died today. How did this happen? He had cancer. And when when I found out that he had that, Apparently, hold on, i got to fix the mic here. I'm getting sitting in the back to put this on. Thank you. Sorry about that. Um, when I found out that he was battling cancer, um, turns out nobody except for his immediate family and friends knew it. He filmed Avengers Endgame and Infinity War while going through chemotherapy for his cancer, and nobody knew. He was a real-life superhero portraying a superhero, and he did some incredible things for his community. Now, this, man lived, this next man lived a life of controversy, but he was a superhero in his area as well. Kobe Bryant was tragically killed last year. His helicopter went down along with many others, including his daughter, who was on the helicopter with him. And he was considered a superhero for basketball. And after he had passed away, the NBA did some amazing tributes for what he had done to revolutionize the game. But when, when someone who has achieved greatness passes away, when something tragically happens to someone that we look up to and say, wow, that person meant so much, and then they're gone. What happens is it it causes us to start evaluating our life. Often that will make us look at us and go, man, that that impacted me in a way I didn't know. Do do I live up to standards? Do do I strive for what they strive for? I know for me, when someone uh, passed away, two great men of faith that passed away that really made me examine my life, one was uh, Billy Grant. When he passed away, I remember the, the morning reading that he had passed away, and uh, I wasn't sad, and, and I, I wasn't happy. Don't hear it that way. But, but, but I wasn't sad, but I was just like, wow, what a great man. That, that's just what filled my thoughts. I thought, man, I can't, can only imagine when he showed up at the gates, the, the cheering and the celebrating, how many people get, get to say, I'm here because I heard you speak. I'm here because you pointed me to Jesus. And I mean, that man, I got to hear him speak when I was back in middle school. And it was just, what a phenomenal man of faith who preached to millions of people over his life. And the second was my grandpa. My grandpa was the, the pastor of Creekside when I was just a really, really wee little man. But he was the pastor there for about 15 years. And he was just an incredible rock and pillar of faith. And I remember, I didn't know this, but at his memorial service, 
which my family asked me to do. Great, right? But at his memorial service, one of the people that came up was my Uncle Chuck. And my Uncle Chuck is also a pastor. I didn't know this, but he shared that the only reason he was a pastor and pastoring his church that, that turned into a fairly large church was because my grandpa led him to Christ at a younger age. And I was just like, wow, that is just, that's an amazing legacy to leave. To know that, that you, you've, you've done this great commission, right? You, you've gone out and you've, you've done what Jesus told you to do. And so when I, I know that when, when they passed away for me, it started helping making me kind of evaluate my ministry. I was like, you know what, God, if I can look back and be half the man my grandpa was from the pulpit, I'd feel like I'd achieved greatness. And it just makes you examine things. But this isn't just for me. When people pass away that we look up to, we start evaluating our life. Uh, whether it's grief or shock or anger or denial, a, a deep sense of loss causes us to slow down and just take a look at the world around us and what's going on and look at our own life significance. And we start asking ourselves questions. We start asking things like, what is most important in life? What is most important in life? Am I doing that? Is, is this really a priority for me? We may ask ourselves, how do I fully live so that I'm ready to die? So that when you look back, and I love what Paul says in that passage, he says, I have fought the fight, I've run the race. I know that when I, when I think of my grandpa passing, I knew that he ran the race. And I want to be able in my life to say, God, I ran the race. I did it. I went all for it. We can ask ourselves, how will I leave, uh, will I leave a legacy that benefits those who I leave behind? When people think of me, I know that... Um, People, a lot of people may say, you know, I mean, Dustin was a funny guy. Dustin was fun. Dustin loved superheroes. But I know more importantly, what would mean the most for me is if someone could say, man, some of the things Dustin said helped shape my walk with God. Some of the things Dustin said helped lead me to Christ. That would be the most important legacy I think I could leave behind. Or we'll ask ourselves a question like, how will I build something in this life to carry into my eternal life? What am I doing to prepare myself now for this eternity that we get to spend in heaven with Jesus? See, as humans, we, we often desire a life of significance. It's, it's in part of our DNA. We, we want to be worth something. All too, life you hear, or too often you hear people say, you know, what's, what's one of your biggest fears? Fear I'll die alone. Fear I didn't mean anything. We, we have embedded in our DNA the desire to mean something, right? And although significance is in the eye of the beholder, but if we believe our life carries the weight of goodness that benefits the world and those that we love, we will desire to leave this world knowing that we served an incredible purpose. We want our lives to matter. So, so what makes our life significant? We know that there's, there's work, there's play, there's community, there's our home, there's our investments, and even the things that we serve in that can add value to our lives. But those things don't necessarily define your life. So if I want my life to be significant, what underlying values or practices do I need to put into place or should I be participating in so it is significant now and hereafter? I think a lot of that stems from what the Bible talks about when it comes to our spirit of gratitude. I think a lot of our fundamentals on what we're going to do in life and even what we look at with success or what we look at as significance or what other people would even look at us with success or significance come down to a root of having a fundamental spirit of gratitude. I think through gratitude, we appreciate life's goodness, which compels us then to pay it forward. I, I've never met a truly thankful person who doesn't pay it forward in some way of their life. The, the, the people that are most thankful for things, they're the ones who respond with generosity. And I think it it's stems from that just innate desire to be thankful for what God has given them. I think gratitude creates a deep sense of happiness and joy and satisfaction, which in turn, it enriches relationships 
It nurtures formation of new friendships and underlines, I think, a very foundation of human society. So what is gratitude? Because gratitude is more than just thankfulness. There's lots of things I'm thankful for in life, but I wouldn't say I have gratitude for. I am thankful for Dr. Pepper. So thankful for Dr. Pepper. That is the best drink out there. But I don't have gratitude for the Dr. Pepper company, right? But I'm thankful for things. But what is gratitude? Gratitude is the practice of actively remembering and expressing the grace, benefits we don't deserve, and goodness bestowed in our lives. If you really look at that, that is much deeper than saying thank you. And, and don't, don't hear me wrong. I think the words thank you carry so much weight. You can, if, if someone gives you something and you don't hear thank you, it can totally change your attitude that you just gave them something, right? Or if, if, uh, if you, you do something for somebody and, and you, you know that they, they, they could be thankful, but just those two words make it so much better. And they can fuel someone who's on the brink of, I'm never doing anything ever again. Someone looks at you in the eyes and says, thank you, can just fill you up and you're ready to go. I know that one of my children's ministry volunteers, when I was a children's pastor, told me, he said, you know, he's been doing children's ministry for over 35 years, Mr. Scott, awesome guy. One time he told me that he was feeling like it was time to be done. Because I'm thinking like it's time for me to, to step down from children and, and maybe do something else. But just, I've, I've served in children's for so long, I think it's time for me to be done. That day, a parent came up to him and said, Mr. Scott, my kid loves you so much. I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you teach, what you do. My kid loves coming here because they get to learn from you. Well, he's still going, and that was about 10 years ago maybe, and he's still just rolling in children's ministry. But that for him, he even told me afterwards, he goes, I feel like I'm good for another 30. He was ready to go because someone expressed a heartfelt gratitude. And it was more than just the words thank you. It was the heart behind it. Simply knowing this definition doesn't tell us why it's important, though, because there's so much to apply when it comes to gratitude. As humans, this simple act speaks volumes. A lack of gratitude can leave anger, can leave bitterness, can leave resentment, but an abundance of gratitude can literally bring someone back from the pit of despair or even someone who's on the edge of saying, I'm done, fueling them for decades more of something that they still love to do. We have an innate desire, I believe, to show gratitude for the goodness and grace that we receive. Now, early in the Bible, we're going to read about Noah. We witness one of the first acts of gratitude that Noah had, and we'll see his innate desire to show this gratitude to God for what he goes through. So if you turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 15, and we're going to read to 20. So Genesis 8, 15 to 20, it says this. Then God spoke to Noah, come out of the ark, you, your wife, your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out all the living creatures that are with you, birds, livestock, those that crawl on the ground, and they will spread over the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah, along with his sons, his wife, his sons' wives, came out. All wildlife, all livestock, every bird, and every creature that crawls on the earth came out of the ark by their groups. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord. He took some kind of every clean animal and every clean kind of bird and, burnt, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. Noah had been on the ark for about a full year, give or take a few, a, a week or two, a year on this boat. Can imagine the conditions <laughs> that were happening on this boat. But he walks off the boat, and then he builds an altar to thank God. I love this. Noah's first recorded act upon leaving the ark is an act of gratitude. 
His first act is an act of gratitude. When, when listening to this story or, or hearing this story, and I know this is a very common story you learn in children's ministry, and a lot of people, if you say, do you know the story of Noah's Ark? Even if they're not familiar with scripture, a lot of people know the story of Noah's Ark. Yes, the flood came, Noah took the animals, saved, the flood came down, they went out and they multiplied and things were great. But this act of gratitude is so easy to pass, so easy to look over and not realize how significant this is. But when we do digging, when we look at this, this is really an extraordinary act of thankfulness and gratitude that Noah offers to God. You see, first consider he'd spent a year on the ark. And as he walks off this, Noah makes a conscious decision that he is going to say thank you. God did not direct Noah in this moment to say, when you get off, thank me. I just saved your family and killed everybody else. You better say thank you. God doesn't say that. Noah just does it. He just says thank you. Some facts about this, why this is so important. At this time in near ancient Eastern civilization, God had not yet given his commands about what worship looks like. Organized religion and faith practices were still thousands of years away from formation. You read about those in Exodus chapter 20. Noah and his family had been the only followers of God amongst a society of heathens and people doing evil things. Therefore, this was a singular practice to God. This was not a communal practice in his community, like, hey, now's the time where we give thanks to God. Now's the time where we're going to do this together. This was him on his own, uninfluenced before and uninfluenced after, just his attitude to say, I'm going to say thank you to God. Offering a sacrifice of thanksgiving was not a social, religious, economic habit of this day. At this time, before the flood, near Eastern pagan worship, when a sacrifice was made, it wasn't done to say thank you. It was done to appease the gods, to keep them happy so that people would receive good fortune, or to make sure that the gods were not going to send their wrath down and wipe people out. So it was a fear sacrifice. This was the total opposite. This was a praise and thank you sacrifice. Noah didn't sacrifice out of the need to say, now I need good fortune. He just received the best fortune already ever, right? He was saved. He didn't need to have the good fortune. He didn't do this out of a desire to, to make or keep God happy or to appease God. He offered this sacrifice out of a heart of gratitude. His natural inclination upon leaving this ginormous wooden floating box was to say thank you. And consider the things he could have done upon leaving the ark. Imagine yourselves in his scenario, right? You spend a year on this boat with your extended family. Yeah, there it is. Some people are like, oh, yeah, put, put that in perspective. With your extended family, a year, and you are around the stench and mess of every animal on earth. Every single one. Some people here can't, you know, I was sharing some stories about what one animal will do in your house. We, uh, we got a dog this year, um, last year, we got a COVID puppy. Uh, there's one of those things going on on Facebook. Raise your hand if you didn't get an animal during COVID. I was like, oh, we can't raise our hand there. We did. Well, we got a dog. This dog, I love so much, but let me tell you, she's already tore up our favorite couch, which was a grandma passed down couch. Yeah, the, the dog almost didn't survive, but she, she did. And um, our dog started heat two days ago. Now, I've learned that our dog Nala, she has a great personality. I love our dog. She holds grudges and she gets angry, though. Hence, when she ripped up the couch, she had um, had an operation on her eye already. She got something in her eye, so she had the cone of shame, we called it. She rebelled against wearing that cone by attacking the couch. Having never chewed up anything in her life ever, she chewed up the couch. And now she's in heat, so she has a doggy diaper to keep her clean. Well, she hates this thing. And last night, when I was downstairs, she got into my room, ripped off her doggy diaper, ripped it up, 
and peed on my bed. I, I know. She's never done this. She doesn't pee. She never pees in the house. You know, we, she's potty trained. She goes outside. But she peed on my bed. This dog is angry. So imagine now you're on an ant, a, a boat full of these animals who, who knows where they're going to the bathroom. But this is your life. Extended family, every animal. If you think you can't handle one, Noah had to handle a lot. You're on this boat now for a year. Finally, the ark banks itself on a mountaintop. You can walk out into the fresh air. What would your first act in this new world be? I mean, for some people, it may be, you know, just, just a fresh air. <gasps> There's land, family out, get out, you're done. It's time to, time to move out, right? But Noah's first act, he lets the animals out, and he says, thank you. I don't know if my reaction in that moment would be to build an altar. It probably would have been like, oh gosh, there's dry land. Let me just relax for a, a month. I don't want responsibilities now. I just want to chill. But Noah said, thank you. And I love that we see that when Noah says, thank you, God responds to this act of gratitude. It doesn't just say, God was happy. God responds to this act of gratitude. God, knowing Noah's heart, understood that Noah leaving the ship and offering a sacrifice was more than just a sacrifice. Continuing in our story, Genesis 8, uh, starting in verse 21, it says this. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, he said to himself, I will never again curse the ground because of man, even though man's inclination is evil from his youth. And I will never again strike down every living thing as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night will not cease. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. As, as the aroma of Noah's sacrifice drifted up to the Lord, his heart was touched. And in turn, he said, I will never again curse the ground because of man's evil heart or kill every creature. And God blessed Noah. You see, blessing Noah, this was not a response to anything Noah had earned. This wasn't a, hey, you, you earned this blessing. This was not a blessing because he was a stellar captain on the high seas for a year. This was not that. Or he, he kept the morale of his crew. He kept his in-laws from killing each other, living in the same quarters for a year. It didn't happen that way. His extended family, this was not something he earned. It wasn't a reward for his exceptional care of these animals on the boat. Noah's blessing was not a response disobedience, although I do think that blessings do come from obedience. But in this story, I think we learn that Noah received his blessing because he chose to worship. He chose to worship. He chose to, be to have gratitude. And this pleased God. Because his heart was thankful and Noah's emotion overflowed into an act of gratitude. It overflowed into this offering. If we look at the Greek word here, the Greek word for gratitude is eucharista. Now, the English word for gratitude stems from Latin, which is gratia, which means to give thanks. And that's often why we say gratitude and thankfulness are so hand in hand. But the Bible takes us a little further with its word. In the Bible, the Greek word is eucharista, which stems from charis, which means grace, which we just spent a lot of time talking about all the things that we can unpack with grace, right? A favor or an act of goodwill, loving kindness, which we don't deserve. So eucharista then, the gratitude scripture talks about, eucharista is an offering of thanks out of the abundance of grace shown to us. I love that. An offering of thanks out of the abundance of grace shown to us. It's to give thanks to God with pleasure and delight because we have received delight and pleasure from his abounding grace or his charis as the word is. Eucharista is not a horizontal practice. It's not give and take. This is reciprocal. Eucharista is reciprocal. It's a cycle of giving and receiving all at the same time because God's grace is so abounding 
It's a never-ending process. The Bible tells us that God's grace does not desire sacrifice for sacrifice's sake. The Bible tells us that he delights in our, exp- in our expression, our declared praise and adoration, which is an outward expression of what is already in our hearts. Psalm 51:15 says this, Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not want a sacrifice, or I would give it. You are not pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humbled heart. By choosing to practice gratitude, we choose the grace that God has freely offered us. And in turn, we then get to offer that back to God. But we get to offer grace to all those who are his as well, to those around us, our community, our coworkers, our families. The cycle that keeps going, because we have grace, we get to extend grace. It's important, like I said, to talk that this, this gratitude we're talking about is so much more than thank you. Practicing Eucharista flows out of a sentiment, a fundamental sentiment and foundation of thankfulness and gratitude. The gratitude for God's grace, I think, is much more than a recognition of God's grace. We kind of talked about that a few weeks ago, where if you look at the, the beginning of God's grace as only salvation, we're not really diving into it. I think saying thank you is the beginning of it, and that's good, but there's so much more when we unpack gratitude and having this Uh, this underlying attitude of having gratitude in everything and through everything that we go through. I remember uh, recently reading a news article about a a police officer who had this heartfelt response to the grace of God and gratitude in his life. This article had this uh, police officer going to a building where a man was threatening suicide. This man was at the top. He was going to jump, and he was yelling everyone that he was going to jump in. The thing he was yelling, there were officers at the scene trying to talk him off the ledge. The man kept saying over and over again, no one loves me. No one cares if I die. No one will miss me. A lot of people's biggest fears, right? Now, the officer said it was at, if the man's despair was so painfully evident as he repeated this, these lines over and over again, no one loves me. No one cares if I die. No one will miss me. As the other officers tried to talk him off the ledge, this officer realized the situation was getting worse, not better. This man was getting closer and closer to actually jumping. The officer witnessed this man's pain. And he said all he could do in the moment was start thinking, I love this man. I care for this man. He needs to know. The officer had never met this man before, but this was the overwhelming compassion he then had for this. So the officer then said to the man on the ledge, he shared this intrinsic feeling that he had for him. As the man continued to vocalize his brokenness, the officer, not yelling, gently stated, don't jump. I love you. I love you. I care about you. You're loved. You're not alone. Someone cares. I do. I love you. The officer repeated this over and over and over. And you can actually, if you look up um, this story online, you can find audio clips from the, the radios and recordings where you hear the officer gently saying, I love you. I love you. I care. Don't jump. When this man hears this, the surrounding officers testified in the article that these words brought the man out of a trance of despair. Like he was focused on this and he stopped and looked at this officer. As the officer continued to tell the stranger that he loved him, the man climbed off the ledge and fell into the officer's arms, sobbing. And the officer held him, embraced him, and continued to repeat, I love you. I love you. I care about you. When the reporters asked the officer, why do you feel this way about this man? He didn't even know. He said, he, could, he replied something to the effect, he said, I just felt I loved him even though I didn't know him. And it broke my heart to feel him so unloved. But because I know I am loved, I knew I loved him. This is an amazing expression of the grace poured out in an expression of love. 
And we receive God's grace in our lives, we naturally want to express this grace. We want to share it. We don't always know how it's going to come out or where it can be used or where it will go. But I do know that once it's received, it has a desire to be expressed. And we can express gratitude. We can all express gratitude to those around us because we have grace. Because we have this grace, we can express it. And it's, it's easy to recognize grace in our lives when, when life's greater needs are met, right? When things are going well, you can easily recognize, oh, this is God's grace. God, you know, God's blessing me here. It's easy to see it when we're the recipient of unmerited generosity. And I think children are the perfect example of this. As parents, what's one of our biggest tasks to, to children when they get something? What are we always telling our kids when someone gives them something? Say thank you, right? We all know this. Say thank you. At the grocery store, when... Uh, or at Costco, when, when they're giving out samples, like Aurora and Avery were at Costco this, this weekend, and, and Avery, she's, she is a, she's got the eyes for the samples. You know, Dad, there's a sample. I'm going to go get one. She runs over, and I'm always like, say thank you. She runs over there because I know that at this point right now, if I don't say it, I know she's thankful because I, I, I know my daughter, but she doesn't always vocalize it. But I want her to say it so other people can hear it, right? I want her to express her gratitude for it. We always say, what do you say, implying that there needs to be a response for this gratitude or this free, undeserved gift that she's getting from the Costco bakery or the Costco sample guy. As parents, I would even venture to say that some of the most humiliating moments, at least for me, are when my kids act like they are ungrateful for something. Especially when we're in public or at someone's house, it's just like, oh my gosh, this is the embarrassing moment. I don't care if you humiliate yourself, now you're humiliating me, right? When you don't say thank you, it comes back on me. I always, you, we hear parents say, be respectful, say thank you. I know that when we're having a birthday party, when the kids are opening their presents, you know, after presents, we're always saying, you know, that person, that came from that person. What do you go say? We want them to go say thank you. Um, when I was younger, my mom was big on thank you cards. At the end of our birthday, my mom would actually take the presents away, and we didn't get them until we wrote the thank you cards and got those out. Right? She, she made us say thank you. And not just a verbal thank you, because then we started to say, but I said thank you to their face. She goes, write a card. Write a card. You're lucky I'm not charging you for the stamp. Write a card. Right? <laughs> so we wrote the cards, and we would say thank you, because she was embedding in us how important it was to show this attitude of gratitude for things people gave us, especially when we didn't deserve it. Now, I know when Aurora or Avery, if they don't say thank you, they're like, oh, man, it's embarrassing for me. Now people are not only judging you, Aurora, they're probably judging me, thinking, I'm a bad dad. Thanks. I'm not raising you to be thankful, man. And then, and then, of course, the kids don't even play with the presents. They play with the box the present was in. Just get my kids boxes, right? I think we've all experienced that, too. But when it comes to some of the smaller graces in life, or the more subtle graces, we don't necessarily feel them at the moment. We can often fail to recognize God's abundant grace throughout each and every day that we walk. I think the litmus test for actively identifying God's grace in our lives is in and of itself our practice of gratitude. We can ask ourselves questions like this. When does God hear me offer charis, offer grace for his charis in my life? Is it only at the dinner table? Is it only before bed? Or am I offering this to God throughout my day? How does my response to God's grace sound? Do I contemplate his grace? Do I say thank you to God out of internal reflection? Or do I just say it because it, it's a habit to, to thank God before a meal? Is this something that I am genuinely thankful for? Or am I just falling into routine? Do I take time to consider moments of God's goodness and kindness throughout my entire day? Am I actively looking for this? And when those moments come, take a second to just say, thank you, God, for this moment. Thank you, God, for this. Even if it's a bad thing, saying, you know what, God, I'm going to learn something. Thank you for putting, allowing me to go through this. 
Thank you for these moments. When I get up in the morning, do I say as David did, thank you, God, for another morning with new mercies? Do I thank him that I got another day beforehand, or do I just thank him at the end that I survived the day? What's my attitude? I think both are important, thanking God that we got a day and thanking God that we got through the day, especially now with everything going on in life and in the world. When my forgetful aging grandparent has a moment of clarity and recalls a warm memory with my family, when I know memories are going, do I thank God for saying, God, thank you for this moment that I get to share with my grandpa that I don't know if he's going to remember in five minutes. But thank you for letting me be a part of this. When I watch my daughter, Aurora, cheer, she used to be a cheerleader at a thing called Upward Sports Basketball. When I watch her cheer in basketball or even lead her squad in the routine, do I recognize that it's only by the grace of God that I get to be here watching my daughter cheer in this game? Am I thankful that I have, a, that I have the resources for her to be able to participate in, the, in something like this? Or even the mental, physical, and time capacity to be present watching her do what she loves to do? One of these days, I'll put a video of her cheering. Um, don't tell her I showed you, though, because she's... Uh, actually, tell her. Embarrass her. It'll be great. But, um, but I love watching her do what she gets to do, and I love that I get to thank God. God, thank you for allowing me to be here to watch my daughter do what you put in her heart to love to do. When we slow down and take time to recognize this charis, this grace, this gratitude in our life as believers, we will desire this Eucharista, what the Bible calls Gratitude. If God's grace is all around us and in us and working through us, then we intrinsically desire a willingness to show, to share, and receive gratitude at recognizing God's grace when may, many other people may not do it. Or even when we're not expected to, we can see it. I think gratitude, the last thing, is it's the practice of remembering God's grace. Gratitude is the practice of remembering God's grace. Now, there's a ritual tucked away in the middle of the Passover story that some people uh, pass over. Sorry for the dad pun there. But if you're not familiar with it, you can, you can easily not see this in scripture. But if you're not familiar with the Jewish tradition, maybe you don't know this. Maybe some of you do. But the Passover, now when the Israelites were captive in Egypt and Moses was charged with coming to get them out of Egypt, he came and God said, we're going to do all these plagues. And every time Pharaoh kept saying, no, 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 until the final plague came. And that final plague was that God said, I'm going to take the firstborn son of every house in the land. Unless you put the, the blood of a lamb on your doorframe, and then when the angel comes to carry out this plague, he will pass over your house. That's where the Passover comes from. Now, in this, before the night, the God, God gave them instructions on how they could be spared from this, and ultimately that was the plague that made Pharaoh say, you can take your people. But there was a ritual and practice that they now practice this tradition years and years later. After directing the Israelites in the events of the Passover night, Moses then informs the Israelites that they're going to be practicing a feast. There's a ritual they're going to do, a feast that is for generations to come. And we read about this in Exodus chapter 12. And speaking on behalf of God, Moses says this. He says, keep this command permanently as a statute for you and your descendants. When you enter the land that the Lord will give you as he promised, you are to observe this ritual. When your children ask you, what does this ritual mean to you? You are to reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and spared our homes. So the people bowed down and worshiped. Now you may be wondering, what, what does this have to do with, with gratitude? But, but I think, hang in here, because I think there's an important element we see here, because we see two sides of, of gratitude. We see Noah's heart in the beginning, right? We see Noah saying, this is, I have this attitude of gratitude that I'm going to make a core of my life. 
and God didn't have to say anything about it. But when it came to the Israelites, God knows that they were about to go through a really, really trying time in the desert. And there were going to be a lot of times where we read that they say, even though it wasn't true, they said, we had it back better in Egypt. Let's go be slaves again. They were going to struggle with things. So God says, here's what you're going to do. I'm going to give you something that you can then look back on and come back to this core of gratitude for what's going on in your life now. You can look back on where you were and where you are and remember what is going on and have gratitude because he knew if they didn't do this, they could forget. And if they forgot, bitterness could set in. When the hard times came in, their lack of remembrance could lead to a lack of gratitude and gratitude for what God has done and their hearts could grow hard. They could forget all these things that God had done. So he was instructing them, do this to remember and be thankful for what happens. Or, worst case scenario, they could end up slaves again. And we see that actually play out in scripture. When there are kings that eventually come to rule over Israel, kings that don't follow God, that don't have this gratitude for what God has done for the land, they end up getting overthrown. And they become slaves again. And it's this horrible cycle that they keep going through because they lose their sight on what God has done in following and being obedient to him, especially with a foundation of heart and gratitude with it. So when the children would ask, why do we practice the Passover? God wanted the adults to respond by remembering the Passover with gratitude for their salvation, with this Eucharista for what God is doing for them. And although the word gratitude is not mentioned, it's implied as a part of their salvation's ongoing work. If they wanted to live a life of, a life of significance and not fall back into this uh, nation of slaves again, they had to practice remembering God's grace in their life. And I know as, as I read that, I, I, I'm challenged in my life. Do I, do I practice remembering God's grace in my life? Do I practice having gratitude? I know that I think, I know for me, a lot of us probably could think, I bet you I could thank God a whole lot more than what I do right now. I bet you I really could look at my life and say, you know what? God, you were there. That was hard. That stunk. But I'm thankful for that because of what you've brought me through now. That's the attitude of gratitude behind it. Practicing gratitude, receiving and expressing God's grace is the foundation for building a deep and meaningful life. I think gratitude is a fluid virtue like other virtues like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We read about these in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit. And I think this piggybacks upon intentionally giving and receiving God's grace, the practice of gratitude. Most of, if not all, virtues, I think, are built out of living in a state, a foundation in your core of gratitude. Um, Cicero was a Roman scholar. He said this, gratitude is the mother of all remaining virtues. Gratitude is the mother of all remaining virtues. There was a scientific journal comprised of hundreds of studies on gratitude uh, compiled by uh, uh, Berkeley, the Greater Good and Science Center. And research finds that the desire to express and receive gratitude stems from our biological roots. We have biological roots that desire to express gratitude, which makes me think, man, it's, it's kind of us that suppresses those then. It's our choice to, to, not, to not express this because it's in our DNA to be thankful and express gratitude for what's going on. Although gratitude can be heavily influenced by culture, it also appears to be an inherent part of human nature. Do you guys know that even animals express gratitude? This is not just a human thing. Even animals express gratitude. There are studies that show chimpanzees Fish, a dumb fish, really. Birds, vampire bats, they exhibit a desire to receive and express gratitude. And this is called reciprocal altruism. And through this, they initiate a behavior that helps one another, an unrelated individual, even at a cost to themselves, because they know if they help now, they will get help later. Animals know this. That's amazing. 
And if we practice this in our lives, we can learn, man, we can have this gratitude that if we are gratitude, we, we have this Eucharist, we are thankful for what God's done, it comes full circle. We see the blessings of God, not because we are thankful to receive his blessing, but we are thankful and he loves the heart behind it. Think back to what we said with Noah. Noah, he didn't bless Noah because he did a good job on the ark. He blessed Noah because Noah had that fundamental attitude of, I'm going to say thank you for what you've done. You didn't ask for it. You didn't demand it. You didn't order it. I'm just going to do it. And through that, God blessed Noah. I'd like to invite the worship team back up as we come to a close this morning. I think our desire to express, receive, and give grace is what makes life significant. When we ask ourselves, what is the most important? We assess it now within the realm of grace. For if practicing attitude is a virtue that stems all these other virtues, then anything of importance has to be built upon living out God's grace and expecting God's grace through Eucharista, through gratitude. I love that as the, the officer talked the man off the ledge, something deeply ingrained in his human nature. I love that he said he never met the man. He just felt compelled to show this man that he was cared for, to show this man that he was loved. He was able to share grace because I love the way he said it. I can share this because I've received it. So I know I can give it. To live a deep and meaningful life, I think we've got to be understand accepting what is freely given and for the offering back this grace to God through others. Make this a regular practice and be thankful when we do. Thankful for the good, thankful for the hard times. I love that Paul says, man, in all things rejoice. That comes from the core of his joy, the core of his gratitude for what God is doing in his life. Would you all stand with me today? In closing, I have a challenge for you all. This week, it's simple, but I think can be very, very deep if we practice it. Meditate, journal, verbalize, share with others the things that you're grateful for. If you're online right now, write down something you're grateful for. What's something that's happened in your life this week, this month, this year that you are grateful for? that you can share with others. Share, all of you guys, share with someone today. What are you grateful for? Where have you seen the grace, the unmerited kindness and generosity of God in your life? And second, as a follow-up to that, identify areas in your life where you can extend grace. Extend the unmerited kindness and generosity towards others. I know for, for me, as we talk about gratitude, and um, you guys have talked about this being you know, Pastor Appreciation Month. I'd be remiss if I didn't say, I have an incredible gratitude for this place. I am so thankful for the way you guys have made me welcome here. I'm thankful for the way that, that when I look out and I, I see people that I get to share life with here. It's not just, not just a Sunday morning, I'll see you on Sunday, but I get to share life with you guys. And I love that. You have made it so smooth for my family to come here. And I'm so thankful for who you guys have all become to me and what you mean to me in this place. So I have gratitude for you. I have gratitude for this place. And I have an incredible gratitude for what I don't know God is doing in and through this place, not just now, but in the season ahead. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for, for Celebration Church. God, not just the building, but these people. I'm thankful that, that we get to be a part of an incredible movement that you're doing here in Puyallup, God. And, and I ask that as we look forward in our lives, God, as we look back in our lives, we identify these moments where we can see your hand on them. We can see your hand in the good and the bad, and we can say, thank you, God, for these. Thank you for getting me through that. God, <laughs> if we'd be so bold to even say, thank you for putting me through that so I can get here now. God, I pray that it's not just a thank you. It's not just words that we recite, God, but it is a core foundational belief that we are thankful and we have Eucharista for who you are and what you've done for us. So God, I pray for every person here 
that we express our gratitude to you in amazing ways and gratitude to each other for what you've called us to do for each other here. We thank you, God. We love you. And everybody said, amen. As we close our service today, you guys actually can have a seat. We've got just a few more minutes that um, we want to take some time today um, in part of pastor appreciation. Um, man, that <laughs> gratitude, right? Like that's what it's all about today as we uh, focus on the pastor appreciation, not only this whole month, but specifically today. Um, We've been geared towards this day. We've been talking about it. You've worn the superhero stuff. It's been fun to do that. Um, and we're going to start uh, as a board first sharing some incredible things about Pastor Dustin and Stephanie, a little uh, boast and roast moment. So <laughs> go ahead and uh, Paul, I'm going to have you come up and he's going to share a little bit about that. Normally there's a really big guy that's big man. <laughs> stands behind this I, I can't do that but uh, I need the height of this thing so I can read um, excuse me while I read there are more national months of special acclaim than you have any idea exist and I'd like to give you some examples adopt a sheltered dog month bat appreciation month <laughs> church library month eat better Eat Together Month, National Biscuit Month. And so the list goes. And those are just for the month of October. August was National Joke Month. This might be a joke, but uh, this month is um, Knock Knock Joke Month. And the 30th is Knock Knock Joke Day. Go figure. So, Pastor, Knock Knock. Who's there? <laughs> Tank. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> uh, you're welcome is the real answer. But <clears throat> this month is also National Clergy or Pastor Month. And this month is an official uh, time to slap the pastors on the back and say thanks and hopefully not knock them down. As part of that, we're taking a moment now to let me roast up, boast up, <laughs> Pastor Dustin a little. For the rest of this 15 minutes, cut short, because we really can't afford 15 minutes, sorry. <laughs> Let me just say thank you, Pastor, from the bottom of Jeff Melvard's heart, who isn't here today. He's somewhere in eastern Washington celebrating or visiting family. Uh, that's one for me, Jeff. <clears throat> he said, you're killing it. I don't know exactly what it is, but I'm glad you are. I haven't seen any mice around here lately either. <clears throat> We're not blind to the fact that you have great vision too. We've seen some small changes around here lately. If you're perplexed, um, just go outside and look at the church building. It's uh, big, bright blue, not bright, but dark, it's blue. Um, if you noticed that when you came in this morning, also we have a new sign with disco lights. <laughs> there seems to be less confusion about whether this church is a community center now. That is worth celebrating today. It's hard not to notice that we don't blend into blandness anymore either. You make us look stunning. But that's the way you are. You dream big, your generosity goes, does not seem to have reached capacity 
because you keep going like the rabbit with an energized battery. You're capable, or I'm sorry, you cajole and gently push. You nudge us to reach out to our community. Zyger Elementary uh, has just been a training ground for what we see coming. Okay, so we like you. You communicate well to us the word. You give food to our minds to take in what the soul needs for spiritual growth, something to chew on for the week ahead, along with our personal studies. That is good. The high level of energy that is you shows up when you preach, especially. There's the energized bunny again. Um, you can't stand still and you talk fast. <clears throat> Sometimes I feel like I need to breathe for you. <laughs> And then you finally take a breath, and I'm about to pass out. <laughs> I'm more tired when I get home than I am when I got to church. And then I have to pedal further than you do, too. But we love that energy. And this is a little inside. And then there's the escalators. I think there are two working ones here in Puyallup, but I've never seen a de-escalator. You, uh, you must have one, though, because the governing board agreed that you were good with them. And partnering must be a superpower for you, like when you found out about Zyger Elementary Ministry, and you took off running with that in the wrong direction. Zyger's over, over there. <laughs> and you were running that way. And we're going, hey, you're running the wrong way. And he said, no. Um, um, how do you say it? Desi Evans is that way. So um, well, that's the direction we're heading next. And the same with the preschool. You listen to Katie's concern about the signage uh, being correct with Celebration Kids and all the stuff that's on there. And um, the expansion of the grades to first grade. Um, that's doing awesome. And to me, I wonder what grade we'll get to before one of the kids tries to correct the spelling on the sign. <laughs> all in all, though, you are a man worthy of your calling. You love the Lord, and you serve him with utmost integrity. It is obvious to any, as obvious as anything could possibly be. It stands out like a light in a dark place. You have said you don't like the dark. I would say the dark doesn't like you. Light comes into the room with you. And then there's Stephanie. She's not here. Behind you, Pastor, is the church. We'll stand with you, right behind you. <laughs> you go first. <laughs> but between us is Stephanie, working always. She's the mother of two fantastic, high-energy kids. I can't guess where that came from. <laughs> and she stepped into administration position and has done well there. Hospitality is no stranger to you either, especially since we have coffee now in the pastor's office for meetings and that sort of thing. Someone knew that it was important, along with the hot chocolate for Pastor Dustin. <clears throat> I don't know about you. Uh, Stephanie, you dove in head first with helping women's ministries as well. It was a lot of work, and you've torn it torn into it with the gusto of someone who really cares, helping to lead small groups with other women in Bible studies. And then there's the humor. I love the sign on your, her desk. 
in the church office, the desk of world domination. <laughs> this is just a tip of the iceberg. If you want to know more about these two, just hang out after church and they will find you. Or just walk up and say, hi. They won't threaten you with anything but a welcoming love. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks, guys. That's so awesome. We love you, Dustin and Stephanie. I don't know. Hopefully you're watching online or we'll watch later. We just, we're, we love you guys so much, so much. Um, I'd like to invite board members down and Dustin up. We'd love to pray for you this morning and by proxy, Stephanie, as well. So, if you'll come down, and as a congregation, if you'll just extend your hand um, towards us here. I had to write, too, because I want to make sure I get everything out that I want to say. But, Father, we do give thanks. We have incredible gratitude, and we celebrate the Warfords and their family, and how you've orchestrated all things to work for good. You've promised to never leave us or forsake us, and while Celebration Church has looked different over the years, we know that you are here with us now, and we focus on that now and what you are doing. With Pastor Dustin and Stephanie as our leaders, I lift them up to you now. I ask that your Holy Spirit would give them wisdom daily, moment by moment if necessary, as they pursue the pastoral call in your kingdom. As shepherds, they've been tasked to care for your beloved flock, and I pray that you would continue to demonstrate your unconditional love to them in a way that they can't help but respond in kind to the people around them. Your light, your love, your hope, your compassion, your loving kindness would be demonstrated visibly through them day by day, moment by moment. I pray that you would build up Dustin and Stephanie in their own uniqueness. You've created them with their own set of gifts and talents, and we're celebrating that today. Let us not, let not comparison sneak in and try to destroy the joy that comes from walking in the fullness of confidence in their creator's design. Give them opportunity to shine for you, God. Give them straight paths as they seek your kingdom first. We pray for their marriage and communication. We know that life of service can come with heavy burdens, but God, we ask, you ask us to cast our cares on you. As a team, as a couple yoked together, let them remind each other of your faithful promises. Let them work in tandem towards the same goals. If moments get heated, and we know they do in any relationship, help them to see the best in one another and look for the Christ in each other as they work through that moment. For the girls, Aurora and Avery, I ask that you steadfastly pursue them with your love and your grace. Give them favor in their schools. Give them focus in their studies. Give them friendships that last a lifetime. Being a pastor's kid is a hard gig, <laughs> always under the eye of scrutiny, it seems. But God, I pray that their eyes would be laser focused on you as an audience of one for their approval all the days of their lives. God, our praying doesn't stop here. As a congregation, it's our privilege to partner with the Warfords in your kingdom purposes. Holy Spirit, remind us to pray regularly for this family. May we set reminders on our phones or write it in our calendars or planners. Whatever the method, God, grow us as a community to support this family through co-laboring and continual prayers for them and Celebration Church. I'd like to finish with passage from 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 through 12. 
So we keep on praying for you, the Warfords, and ask God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all good things your faith prompts you to do. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, we'll be honored because of the way you live, and you will be honored along with him. This is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. In him we pray together. Amen. 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 Thank you. All right. Thank you, church. I know we've gone a little longer this morning. I just want to say, if you came prepared to give to the love offering today, you can do so by making sure to write pastor appreciation on your check, or if you have cash, there's envelopes in the back that you can write pastor appreciation on. I want to say money isn't also the only way to love and support on this family. Um, I know one of our families, they gifted their superhero gift of photography this month. And so there are so many ways that we can demonstrate our love and our care for the Warford family. Um, so do that. Be, have confidence in who you are and who God made you to be to show them that love. Uh, finally, I just want to invite you to join us in the South Foyer. There are cards there that you can fill out if you want to leave a note for the Warford family. We have a sweet little superhero treat out there we'd love for you to join us with. And with that, I want to say have a blessed Sunday. Thanks for being with us.